0: Go check the message, I ain't then came back for a second. This week, episode two hundred and four. I think we had two hundred and four. Yeah, we're at two hundred and four. Uh, thank all you guys for watching, guys and gals. I appreciate you. Hope you enjoy a little bit of the music. Kind of gets me going for the <laughs> beginning of the episode. As always, we're watching on Facebook, um, Periscope, or the YouTube's. If you have any questions, uh, I'll leave them in the uh, message box. Hello, and I appreciate you for it. Okay, so hopefully everything's coming out good. Get some messages saying, talking about slow stuff, and I upgraded my internet on uh, Spectrum to pay for the one gig, and I tell you that I haven't gotten one gig yet. So they charged you two hundred bucks, and the um, <laughs> you get about five hundred megabytes per second for an extra. 200 bucks to, to upgrade. Supposedly it costs them $200 to upgrade you. And I haven't, haven't achieved that yet. So, but we'll see what goes on with that. Um, last week, no show, I had real busy kind of bringing on a couple, hopefully uh, a really good clients um, in an industry or in our industry uh, that you guys all probably know um, uh, right off of the name. I won't list them out until I secure the client though. I don't want to jinx myself. Uh, but the site was pretty freaking big. So we're talking 600,000 pages before I just stopped crawling it. Uh, and uh, I'm sure there's, there's a whole lot more. It's not a normal these days to so run into sites like that. I know a lot of people that are building mass sites or, or really large sites or um, in, the, in that model, uh, just so you can capture more, 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 uh, more rankings, I don't necessarily know that Google has not caught on to that yet, or that they care enough to to stop it. And the reason I mention that is because sites like uh, Home Advisors, Angie's Yelp—it's really a lot of duplicate stuff, right? So we have a business and we put our our um, Unique name, the description, et cetera, across all of our citations. And this particular site that I was crawling was a citation website, um, and um, it's 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 all um, the same. Obviously, you can vary it up a little bit in the stuff, but you're kind of expected to use the same thing, right? So you're 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 running the same services, you're running the same offer, you're the same company, uh, regardless of the website that you're on. And oftentimes, what you end up uh, getting into is a um, you know you're just the same uh, uh, across the board, um, and so we got to look at uh, some of that and see if it's a um, um something that we need to fix. You don't mind me? I'm, I'm kind of looking at something. I just want we got to look at. Uh, yes. My is working good. So i good. Um, so, uh, you know, I was going over that site and it took a lot of time, et cetera. And, and I actually was running out of computer resources. So typically when I, when I know in advance, I'm going to have something big like that. You set up a Google cloud, you put the screaming, screaming frog on Google cloud and the, and Google cloud can handle it, can handle the resources and stuff. It costs you a little bit of money. That's particularly why I don't like doing, um, free, uh, site audits because you're using time, money, and resources to, to do a site audit that may or may not turn into a client. And more often than not, especially these days, pr- there's a lot of proposal hunters out there. So I, I, for the most part, I default to, I don't do site audits, uh, or send proposals. I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm not playing a game. Uh, and, uh, it's it kind of sense the tone for how I position myself. Right. Um, So, but in this case, I didn't do that. I actually put uh, Sitebulb on my server. I have a Windows based server. It's all jacked up to hell and high waters, like 14, 16 cores. It's got uh, 128 gigabytes of memory on it. It can handle pretty much anything I throw at it. And it's um, with Sitebulb, you can actually get through the crawl fairly fairly well on on one of those big sites. You can get through. most of the audit fairly well in those on those big websites the downside of Sitebulb bulb is there's a duplicate content checker and that thing is slow as as all get out it's so <laughs> if anyone watches and is using site bulb or if there's a site bulb uh member who someone's got access to some of those guys maybe actually make it so that we can turn off that duplicate content checker as part of the audit um or set a sample so duplicate content like 10% of the pages or something like that uh, to make it a little bit easier but that duplicate content checker just ate up and just in in it just made it unbearable like i put on um this particular site, I put it on and started running it, and four days later, the duplicate content checker was still doing its thing. Uh, so that's it, that's just madness. Uh, so I don't know what it's checking. If it's checking like each word against each word, each sentence against each seconds across all the pages and stuff, but come on, at some point that's a, that's a little redonkulous. So I had to deal with that. Anyway, so now here we are, episode two hundred four. Thank you all for coming. Uh, so let's get into it. Why don't we? I'm going to share my screen, and you can see there you go. Uh, first article that I like, it, it, Michael Mikhail Suski. Um, I'm just going to call him Michael because I'm, I'm not really sure how to pronounce his name. I think it's Mikhail, but I'm going to be safe and just say Michael. Is how to use topic content clusters for content marketing. And this is... In, in my opinion, this is a little bit late because he was actually on the speaking circuit uh, and and talking about this. Um, during SEO Rockstars. he did a talk on this. I believe it was or SEO spring training. He also did he he did a talk, and he was talking about um, at the time what were not necessarily um, topic clusters; they're actually keyword clusters. Uh, And so in this post, he's actually going along a lot deeper uh, and breaking it down into topics versus keywords. Now, what is the difference? It's really kind of... um, well, it's not that hard. It's just kind of the way, you changes the way you think about things. So in a topic, you have a, a cluster. So in this infographic here, there's a pillar page and then there's four supporting pages porting to it. Let's say you're running a local business and you're a, a, a dentist in Miami. So your your pillar page uh, in this cluster would actually be y- your dental services and it'll be optimized for a Miami Dentist or a Dentist Miami. And, and you want to create some supporting pages for that so uh that could be invisalign uh teeth whitening um let's see what else (sighs) routine care uh or routine follow-ups or something to that effect and 101 best tips of brushing your teeth so those would be all your supporting pages and they support that topic of dentists so invisalign is related to dentists um Teeth whitening, dentists, general care, and maintenance, dentists, brushing your teeth, dentists, right? Uh, and so it's not necessarily a keyword thing. However, your topic clusters can kind of look like that. So um, let's pretend another one. This pillar page is um, Bellevue SEO, for example. This is a cluster I've shown a whole lot um, until some people decided that, you know, uh, I shouldn't rank for that anymore. So the negative SEO of the page. Whatever. Get on with your bad selves. Go ahead and do it. So Bellevue SEO, and then my supporting content was actually things to do in Bellevue, Bellevue um, restaurants in Bellevue, coffee shops in Bellevue, and Uber coupons for Bellevue travel. Uh, and if you meant, if you notice that I didn't actually set the page up for Bellevue SEO, well, I did. I set the page up for Bellevue SEO, but the supporting content is more towards Bellevue to enhance the. Um, the location specificness of the page, uh, but on each of the supporting pages, I also happen to mention Bellevue SEO, uh, and and that's what created the link uh, in in the in the topic. So I'm talking about uh, let's let's take the restaurants for example. How you formulate that, or how I kind of formulated that as a when you're going out and you're taking your your Bellevue SEO clients to do. Um, To um, talk about your the ups and downs of your campaign and the successes and failures that you've had with rankings and building up the traffic and authority and leads of a website through through search engine optimization, oftentimes I like to take my clients to any one one of these Bellevue SEO restaurants, and that's kind of you kind of you get your topic in there. Uh, and you get, I got the locale in there and then I also got some restaurant stuff in there. So you can get some general traffic if I wanted to. And that all works uh, really, really well. Or you can go the other way and just do, like I'm talking about SEO and then here I go on page SEO. One of my supporting pages would be link building for SEO, outreach for SEO um, and um, schema for SEO. And, and that would also create a topic cluster. Versus keyword clusters, which kind of get a little bit hairier because a good keyword cluster does not necessarily make for a good topic cluster because it could be too narrow. Uh, and he's got some examples in here where he's showing his uh, keyword clusters that you can get through Surfer, which I really like. So like cat food, high in protein uh, is, the, is the primary keyword. And you have uh, what I would call keyword clusters, high protein, wet cat foods, high protein, dry foods, uh, and canned food, cat food with high protein. And I would actually make my H1 cat food high in protein. And then my H2s would be the other three examples, high protein, wet, high protein, dry, and canned. Uh, And that's how I would use a keyword cluster versus a topic cluster. So hopefully those two examples will come out a little bit better for you. But check out... uh, Michael's post is actually pretty good. The tool's good. Do I think it's keyword Cupid good? Eh, Probably not. Um, Just because it's based off of surfer data and surfer crawl stuff. Whereas I can actually pre-position my keyword research um, to make sure that I'm more on target using Ahrefs uh, keyword research tools and then combine that with keyword Cupid uh, and get what what I think is a better product. But... The, the surfer one is not too bad at all. At all, uh, Question came up. Do you build supporting pages to your other supporting pages? No, not really at that point. I'm, I'm actually building backlinks to um, the supporting pages at that point. So, I mean, you can go out and you can get really crazy with it, right? So I can do a, a page about on-page SEO. It's really hard to rank for. Um, I've, I've humored quite often that, all the correlation tools, every one of them said in order to rank for on page SEO, you need backlinks, <laughs> you need off page SEO. Um, but kind of getting away from that, if I wanted to, I could build supporting pages like uh, title tags, how to use how to optimize your title tags, how to optimize your meta description, how to optimize your um, your content, and then I could probably do um. Sub pages, let's say on the content one, I can go how to use Phrase, how to use Surfer, how to use Market Muse, how to use Google NLP, how to use TDIDF. I can make supporting pages like that too. If I wanted to rank for content optimization, um, then that would make sense. But as, as a general rule, I don't necessarily create supporting pages especially in the local in local it's kind of not really needed you're getting a little bit caught in the weeds there um, and generally i'll just use those supporting pages to build backlinks to those uh, and pass that juice up to the money page uh, which is a little bit safer for the money page so hopefully that answers that question Elton. uh this one is a is a it's a post on um Python, uh, you guys know I'm, I'm learning languages. I'm learning Java and Python right now. Uh, and so I wanted to show this just from Oncrawl, how to forecast search traffic with Python and Google Analytics 4. Basically what this whole process is doing is a programmatic way of taking your current, current traffic and then based off of the trends of your current traffic, it'll go through and say, uh, you're going to go up or you're going to go down. Uh, and this is where... Um, and that's kind of how you forecast everything. You can manipulate this. Like if you catch it, <laughs> if you're in a trend of always going down and then you have this little trend of going up, your forecast would be screwed up because your traffic says you're mostly going down. And that's when you get some from different visualizations out of that. Uh, but if you're looking at Python and you're still playing around with Python like I am, uh, this would be a good one. I'm not really going to delve too deep into it. One of these days, maybe we'll actually show off what I've learned—it's not a whole lot—and <laughs> um, uh, and we'll play with some Python and make some Python scripts and stuff. Christopher, so you prefer building supporting pages rather than single tall page, or it just depends on the niche. Um, typically, I I prefer the supporting pages. You know, the the single tall page is uh, born out of the idea that you can rank multiple a page for multiple keywords. Which I am totally not against, right? So you have your, your as in the example of the cans, uh, the high protein cat food. I can rank that page for high canned high protein cat food, wet high protein cat food, dry high tea protein cat food, and canned protein cat food, and um, cat food with high protein. I can I can rank them for all those things. When you get into that single tall page concept. Um, that was taught by so many, and it's it's really what is what did Brian Dean call it the skyscraper. What I just mentioned, going after those five terms is way way better than going after twenty five terms. Uh, one, not really all that many people are going to read it. It's going to convert like crap unless it's a really compelling sales letter. Then long form sales letters are still working. But in general, a a content page is not going to, you know, do very well for you if it's super long. Uh, It may rank for a whole lot of keywords, and that may all just be fine and dandy for you, but if it's not converting into anything, right? Whereas if I write smaller pieces of content specific to the needs of the person that is searching for those things, i.e. I'm trying to provide enough information for five people versus 25 people, uh... I find that the pages actually convert a whole lot better. And building the supported pages leaves more stuff open for you uh, to narrow down your targets, and narrow down keywords, find the winners and losers, kill supporting pages that aren't getting traffic, aren't getting converting traffic, uh, and build new ones that are based off of the query information that you get in Search Console. And that information is mainly your average CTR, and the uh, impressions count. Um, As you all know, the positions (laughs) stuff is not necessarily uh, a winner, but impressions count and average CTR are really decent numbers coming out of there to at least help you formulate some decisions about what's going on. And if you watch the uh, SEO Fight Club episode where Ted Kabatis looked over the lossiness of Google Analytics, i.e. it's not tracking all your traffic and stuff, having those impressions, having the uh, average CTR, and then having another analytics tool other than Google Analytics or any of them based in JavaScript uh, from what I gathered from our conversation um, and just have one that will give you a little bit more data or even better having access to your server logs Will make help you uh, create better marketing decisions based off of that. So, and if you're doing that all on one page, you have less opportunities um, than you would if you had a uh, a a real a a decent sized content piece pillar page, and some smaller, more narrow narrowly targeted uh, supporting pages. It, does does that mean you not write long old monstrous killer content? I mean, if you if your market is looking for long old monstrous killer content, then <laughs> then then do it. And I'm not saying not to. I'm just saying that I would. That there's much better things to waste your time on than um, building that stuff out for the purposes of having this long massive page. All right. So next, next one is the uh, Google update uh, from Core Web Vitals. Uh, what has it been a year now? Oh, we're gonna we're gonna launch it in May. Been a year now. We set this go. We're gonna launch it in May. Uh, and then um, this month, they first they said, "Oh, we're changing how the uh, the um, what was it? The CLS? How CLS work? Con- con- consecutive layout shifts? Uh, I think that's what it's called. Consecutive layout shifts. Make sure my Cumulative layout shifts. They they changed that because the original version that they had in there didn't work right. So they they reset it. And now they're saying, oh, well, we want to give you, the user, more time to update your websites in order to meet this goal. So they're not going to release it uh, until mid-June. And it is going to be a gradual rollout. Uh, so, all those people that spent the last year writing articles about Core Web Vitals and the importance of it, and all the ranking boost you're going to get um, by by addressing all this stuff, um, all I can say is I told you so. The <laughs> one if they if they're going to tell everyone to for a year to use this standard, and then they change the standard at the end of it, you know something's up. Uh, two. They set out for a year to release this Core Web Vitals update uh, and they screwed it up. I think the latest rollout with the product review algorithm update and maybe even the Core release before that probably had some CLS and and Core um, adaptations into it just to pre-test how Core Web Vitals was going to go. And uh, it failed miserably. Uh, and uh, Google is constantly putting out missed messages. And I mean, they talked about there's a um, a blog post talking about Core Web Vitals that was put out by Google and saying that people are averaging to, you know, five to eight seconds uh, before they leave your, your web page. And I can't imagine, or I have not been on a, a website that takes more than five to eight seconds short of being on, like, a the slowest – phone connection there ever uh i haven't seen all that many sites that are that that are that slow so the ranking benefits that people were get, supposedly going to get from cls that they're not going to happen uh from core web vitals the only way you're going to see that is if you have a stupid slow website uh core web vitals comes out and then you at the, happen to be at the same time fixed your website uh so that it it loads within the magic three seconds uh, on a mobile device. Like people can interact with it at three seconds. Not fully loaded. Fully loaded is all the scripts and all the cookies and all that other crap that you put in on, that we all put on our websites. That's fully loaded. Um, Core Web Vitals is and, and the user experience is going to be based off of time first byte, start render, first time to interactive. Um, those are all things you can get on a webpage, testtools.org, by the way. Uh, and as long as those are three seconds, you know, time the first bite, half a millisecond, I believe it was 0.25, point five zero milliseconds. Um, that's kind of what I'm looking at. Time the first bite, start render, uh, usually two seconds, uh, first, uh, interactive. You kind of want that around the three second mark. If you can achieve all that, you're going to be just fine. If you do it at all right now, you're going to be just doing, you're going to be just fine. If your numbers are like crazy slow and you make improvements, you're going to see ranking improvements. Um, if your numbers are crazy fast and you're, st- you're ranking, uh, the same, you're probably going to just rank, continue to rank the same. You're not going to get a boost from it. This is um, just all a game so that Google can uh, make you bounce around and, uh, and adapt to this stuff. Okay, so just know, mid-June, they're going to start messing with this stuff again. Uh, yeah, I suspect that they are testing things uh, right now. I suspect that there's some things inside of the uh, C uh, Core Web Vitals update that broke caffeine. That's why indexing is jacked up for a lot of people or a lot of people say that indexing is jacked up. Um, Ted could buy to surmise that that Google might not even be reading JavaScript right now because they're trying to fix that part in caffeine. So if you have a JavaScript-based platform and part of your updates that you do are in JavaScript and you submit it to Google and Google's not picking that up, that could be related to that. I don't know how... Ted came to that conclusion about the JavaScript, but it's there's an opportunity there uh, that he may be correct. So just keep that uh, at the back of your head, uh, and and see how things are going. You know, indexing indexing to me is a tough animal because. You know, I, I, I refer to a page being indexed is when I can do a site search, a URL search, or URL in quotations, which is an exact match. If my URL is there, it's in the index. Where uh, other people consider if my URL is there and ranking for a keyword, that means it's indexed. So however you base that decision is kind of however you base the um Current indexing situation uh, for for yourself. Uh, I know a lot of my test pages, etc., are still in the index. Um, even my real old tests came back, uh, and those are sitting at like 70%, which is actually pretty high compared to normal. Most of the time, they drop down and they end up like three or three pages left in the index, where I'm sitting at kind of 70% on average now. Um, so just know it there just be aware of it if you're having some issues getting stuff updated and stuff it's probably caffeine fixes the caffeine fixes are not new they've been there before uh and uh now we have core way vitals caffeine filled the the um the update um deadline and had the update cls right before the deadline i think all of that stuff's all related uh and you know based off of the mid-june timeline that they're giving. I, I don't expect that to be fixed for a whole lot of people right now. Let's see, it makes sense. But found that tools like Surfer fairly frequently push for more content, more topics on the page. Yeah, well, Christopher made a good point right there where you're talking about using tools. Uh, a lot of those tools do what? What's the main thing that they they give you? The first recommendation: your word count is low. You need to add more words. You should have two thousand, four thousand, five thousand. Uh, but when you actually go and look at the search results, it's they're not really that. It's, the word count is not correlating. Like you can look at software. Core, for example, is a great example. That's one that I use, like and love. Um, you can use that and it'll say, hey, your average, your word count should be this. Now, two things to keep in mind. Really, well, one thing to keep in mind with Quora is it's analyzing the top 100, looking at the word count and then averaging it for the pages and then saying, hey, you should have this word count. Page Optimizer Pro, I'm pretty sure is based off of the competition you select. Surfer, much the same. So it's going and it's finding out this large, this... This range, and then it's saying um, you have to have a a whole bunch of content. I can tell you that for there's some terms that I'm ranking for where those tools say I should have 2,000 words, and I have 500. Um, so the I guess the point that I'm I'm making for me is one, I don't care about word count. I'm not even, not even I'm I, I don't even play that game. Right, so we had some tests in SIA. 13 to 1500 words is the average that Google in a single variable is looking for. Um, you know, all things being equal, 13 to 1500 words. So I order all my content, 13 to 1500 words, or I'll write to 13 to 1500 words. Then I put it into phrase, I optimize it, which typically adds more words to it. Then I'll go to surfer, optimize it, it typically adds more words to it. And then I'll go to inlinks, optimize it, and it typically adds more words to it. Um, But in a lot of cases, in order to get those new additional words in there, I end up deleting words. So I close out my content creation process back in Word uh, and using Grammarly. And I clean up all the grammar. I clean up sentence structure. I clean up all that stuff. And, and typically, uh, in that process, I'll take a 1,500-word article down to 8 to a 1,000 words. Just cleaning up grammar and and all that mess. And I'm ranking just fine doing that process. So, I don't even... Um, it's probably... my. A lot of people are, are on to... Uh, word count, like they're adding more words, doing more words, doing more words. Um, I don't think it's it. I don't think word counts what's doing it for them. I think it's entities formulating the topics better on the page, uh, using the uh, similar words or using words that are just expected to be around that topic, close into your keywords, etc. Uh is, uh is what's uh, really doing it. It's not keyword. Um, it's not word count. Uh, let's see, Elton. I'm having the same kind of problem with indexing pages. If I search for the URLs in quotes, they're indexed. If I search for the fake keyword, only one of them appears. If they are identical, even in different domains, yep. So that's that's filtering. It's not. Um, that's not. Uh, it's not ranking. Um, so if that's it's if it's happening across all of your test domains, that's a little odd. Like, cause all my all my test domains are all different domains, uh, and they're all ranking for the same keyword. So you may be messing something up, <laughs> um, but I would have to look at it, and see. All right, final one: the Google product reviews. So. This update came out, and um, it's a, it's a little bit more of those coincident thing. I guess you can say that I'm wearing a tinfoil hat. I'm not even I'm not even entirely sure how um, if this is actually true for or not. But Google came out with a blog post that said we are going to be introducing a new. Um, Feature in Google search called best of. Uh, And what our intent is to do is to find the reviews uh, about products, sort them into best of lists, and then give you links to those products inside of this best of um, featured snippet is, I'll just call it a featured snippet for lack of better. So, so, the idea is that they are going to go to affiliate websites. They are going to create snippets off of those affiliate websites and put it in adjacent to a product uh, that that aff- product is about. And then they are going to send direct traffic more than likely to an ad block uh, or an affiliate relationship that they have with the, with the product publisher, i.e. like an Amazon or something like that. And they're going to force all your traffic away. Uh, so they're going to use your reviews, put it in feature snippets, you're going to say, oh, look, I'm in featured snippets. Look how great I am. And you're going to lose all your affiliate commissions because the traffic is going directly to you, the product versus coming to you, learning about your review, learning about your uses, learning the pros and cons of the thing, etc. There, Google is going to use your stuff and take it. Now, in order to make sure that they have the best content for that, what do they got to do? Well, they have to do the product review update. And they got to go through and they got to get all the websites that are just being lazy. I'm I'm totally guilty of doing this, by the way. And just copying product descriptions and, and creating, quote unquote, review sites. Uh, so they're going to get rid of them. They're going to get rid of, quote unquote, low quality review sites. Really low quality at the end of the day means it's just you don't have the backlinking skills. You don't have the... The ranking uh, power, you're not using uh, some of the best practices and entity establishment, TD-IDF, maybe you're not using schema. Um, So they're going to get rid of all of those low quality websites out of that that list. They're going to push them down and then they're going to find who's ranking the most and they're going to take your content and put it in a feature snippet. Now, because you're in a featured snippet, you no longer qualify for page one, so they're going to remove your content and bring up more of the, quote, air quotes, low-quality content to increase the value of the best-of featured snippet. Uh, And that's coming. The product review update is in place. I have not seen any examples of the best-of thing yet. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's... um, it's probably somebody's probably been out there and seen it, but I'm not having not done a lot of best of review stuff, Uh, but it's coming. Um, So there's been a lot of posts talking about some things that, uh, what it did, uh, what the update did and how to get around it and all that stuff. I think the most popular one right now is Matt Diggity's, you know, he's way, 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 way more into affiliate marketing than I am. So I would take his advice probably over mine at this point in regards to creating and setting up, um, affiliate sites from the, um, product research and et cetera perspective. Like I can, I can, I can SEO with the best of them. Right. Um, but you know, he's just used to that business model so he can apply some of that business model stuff to you. So, you know, look, look at what he's doing. Look at what Doug Cunningham's doing. Um, and those are probably the two uh, affiliate marketers that I would um, refer to when you're talking about um, uh, creating as affiliate sites and doing content for affiliate sites and the process behind the affiliate site stuff. It's not rocket science, but those guys are doing it. They have systems, and they're doing it over and over and over again. Um, so, you know, use leverage their uh, research. Uh, there's also a... Um, A woman on Diggity's channel. Pretty sure it's Diggity's channel. And she's talked talked a lot about affiliate site stuff too. And and she's kind of like you guys uh, were, or maybe at this point where you're just starting out affiliate stuff and not long into it. She's, you know, done the whole quit my job and I'm living off of affiliate stuff. Again, it's not that hard to do it. Um, but these people have already made the mistakes and stuff. So jump in there uh, with both feet and try and check it out. Uh, Glenn Gabe's got an article on this uh, as well. as the So re- check that out. It's actually really good. Um, taking some of the snippets in Twitter, et cetera, and putting it together and making some cl- conclusions about it. This is a checklist by Olga. Olga I, I'm not even going to try to slaughter her last name. Uh, but there's 55 items in here and a free template. And some of the things that, you know, just number one, is it express expert knowledge about a product who says it's expert. You don't really have to be an expert. You just got to write it like you are an expert, uh, and you're going to be okay. Um, but it's gotta be unique. So you just don't want to, um, Take the product description like I've done, like I'm sure a lot of people listening have done uh, to this point. You don't want to do it. Make, make some unique content. Even if it's just rewording the product description, make it unique. Uh, use images, you know, if the review shows a product what it's like physically. Obviously, use some images. There's plenty of stuff out there. You can plenty of images you can find. Uh, do that. Throw it together in a gallery. Make sure you're optimizing the images. Protect. Uh, in particular, file names and alt tags, and then you're going to be okay. Uh, review shows how the product is used. I don't, you know, this is, is interesting. Like how the algorithm, is it smart enough to see that? I don't necessarily know that it is, but from an SEO technical perspective, um it, you know, this, it may or may not be easy enough to kind of formulate a topic. This thing is best used when, um, and those kind of like words, so it, it picks it up and kind of formulates this thing being used by uh, in um, machine language, you need to kind of understand that. Let's see, quantitative measurements to perform a different canatory. You know, that's, that's all cute and fine. Necessarily, I don't think that's necessary. Uh, but that's more of, a, you know, if you're doing a comparison site or something, this would be this would be pretty good. Um, or you have a grading system for your review site, also pretty good. I've seen plenty of sites though before and after this update that uh, are not ranking very well at all because of uh, and just because and and they have grading things, but Google doesn't care because really, titles, column references, all that stuff. Most of those words create a lot of the sameness. Uh, across the website, and it reduces the quality in, um, in the meth. Unique information about the product. I think that should be number one, right? Check if the product is unique information about the product and what is provided from the manufacturer. Just because the manufacturer says X, Y, and Z doesn't mean you have to say X, Y, and Z. And, and you can change it entirely or you can change the order. Um, make sure that it's unique. I know that's hard, especially when you're trying to do like a... Let's say you're trying to do an Amazon site, and you've wanted you want to you have big hopes and dreams, and you want to target like thirty thousand products, and your plugin lets you do that, and lets you import, and you, as long as you have the Amazon ID numbers, you can you can do it. Slow down there, Skippy, and just build these right. Build them slow. Build them patient, and. Uh, you're going to be just fine. If you would have done that in advance, you you wouldn't even have be caring about this this stupid update. Let's see, comparable other projects products. I don't necessarily think that's that's needed. Think about entities though. Comparable products that they're known entities. Uh, you're let's say you're trying to market a product that is not as well known as product. You know, product A is not as well known as product B. Then you could kind of put built the associations in there uh, with product A or product B to say, hey, look, this is much better. So let's do, um, I don't know, uh, a CPAP machine. And you're doing reviews on the cleaning systems. And everyone probably knows so clean, right? We've all seen the commercials, all that stuff. Take your mask off, drop it in a thing, push, push the button. 30 minutes later, your stuff is clean, your equipment's clean. But you have this new one called MoClean, um, and so you can associate those two with the comparable products. And that's kind of how the entity stuff works, is you're putting in words and associating those that entity, SoClean, known entity, with your not-so-known entity, MoClean, uh, and Google is putting those two, two together. That would be some benefits of it, but just doing it to make comparables, not necessarily needed. Unless your audience wants that kind of stuff. I, I don't really look at comparables. Um, I'm more of a features guy anyway. Uh, let's see. Similar products. Check the review talks about similar, you know, best circumstances. Yeah. You know, I, I don't, that's that's dumb. If I'm trying to rank for and do this thing, why do I have to do all those things? This is probably better if you're doing like a best of and you're doing an order thing, then that would be applied. Right. Versus a um, an actual product review, you're doing it. you're writing a best of post. Uh, and in so much as you do that, let's say 20 of us are watching this show right now. And 20 of us write a best of Google products review update um, blog posts. And we each order them pretty much the, the same. Google will take the favored site and that will become their order for that best of uh, list. That's where where all these orders come in. So they know one, two, three, four, and five. The math can easily pick that up and sort that by category based off of your age tags. Uh, and then it will go and find 200 other posts talking about that same set of products. It'll look at the orders and say, all right, product A comes in at 14 on average, but product B is always right around the, it's usually in the, in the one or top 10 mark, right? So product B will be the one that's all in that better network thing. And that's how Google's going to pick those products. It's just going to take all of your guys' information, put it all together, sort these out by a better set, by a, that data and then sort them in there uh, and then use your your page, your content to fill in the best of stuff. So that's what that's going to be. Uh, there is a template back in on in here. You want to check that out. Uh, I'd actually say to get it, even though I've kind of bashed a little bit on some of this stuff, uh, it's just good to have something to, uh, especially if you do a lot of outsourcing, um, run this through and just... Uh, make sure that you've kind of addressed some of the, 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 key points in here. What I would do is this is a really easy test for you to do. I did that episode on how do you copy sales pages? Do that for a product, do that, find a product that um, is uh, got a decent commission. Competition is kind of low in SEO um, just to, screw around them and make it 10 different domains and make 10 different versions of that sales page. Um, and, you know, one making exact copy of the product uh, description and stuff. One, uh, it new, unique, bleh, making it entirely new, unique, making it entirely unique to making it less unique, like 50% unique. See how much you have to do uh, and see where they rank in order for that product Or uh, a long-term variation of that product, so you can actually see the order a little bit better without having to filter through other search results. Uh, Oh, excuse me. And that'll um, give you way better insight into um, what your SOP has to say, what your checklist has to say. And you can come through here and delete this from 50 to maybe 10, uh, and you'll be uh, just fine. Uh, And I think that's it. I don't really have any, I don't have any core runs or anything like that. I haven't been doing any um, SEO for affiliate stuff recently. I do want to do the uh, affiliate SEO um, project uh, in it, but that's mainly it's it's going to be a SIA course uh, for sure. It's over the shoulder series. I started one with Digital Ear. Uh, And then got busy with client stuff, but I I still want to do that, the affiliate SEO one. Uh, I just haven't been big into affiliate stuff. Um, Like before I I went to Afghanistan, uh, way back in the day I had a decent affiliate income. Then I went to Afghanistan, uh, stayed there for three years, internet was slow, wasn't really updating everything as, as much as I probably could have. Uh, and uh, lost all that income. And so I was like, well, I'm going to do all that work just to lose all that income um, as quickly as it happened. So uh, I kind of focus mainly on, on the client stuff because I can always bring in new clients as you know, clients move on, etc. It's, it's not personal, it's just business. Um, and so I just found that client works better. But now that I've, I've done so much of it, I think I'm ready to go back into a, some affiliate space and just kind of carry everyone along for the ride with that. And there's some cool stuff to learn, right? So that affiliate stuff can kind of carry over a lot in the e-com, uh, depending on how you're doing it, especially if you're doing affiliate for things like Amazon. And let's say you have an, an e-com website, and you know you want to do some stuff to it, you're just not really sure, get an affiliate site. Kind of make it e com uh, and use Amazon products and then blast away, do your horrible worst to it and, and see what works and see what does it and then apply what works to your really good money site, your e com site. So um, that's kind of where I, I'm going. I, I, I want a new, new market to mess with. You know, I got right now I'm dealing with 700 ish websites in rehab, um, I'm doing some mobile app stuff. Uh, I'll be doing, hopefully, a directory here soon. Uh, and and I'm do, and I'm doing a, um, an informational website. All of them are, are huge. They're all, like, big products. Um, but I'm not doing much e-com stuff, and I don't want to lose my edge on that. So I'll be doing some the affiliate stuff to kind of carry over and get the e-com stuff, too. Let's see. Any other questions? Hopefully... If, if you guys have some questions, let me know. Uh, let's see. Jeff. Hey, Clint. A couple of weeks ago, you mentioned Web 2.0 property. Which, if you post stupid content, wipe out your money site? Which Web 2.0 was that or what did I misunderstand? Nope. You understood correctly. And if you want the answer, you're going to have to join SIA. <laughs> I'm not trying to be a, a Josh Brzezinski on yet, but um, that's a, that was an SIA test, and I can't release that uh, publicly. Um. but if you think about it logically what web 2.0 website can google make changes to that um, could result in that behavior and i'll leave it at that i think you all are smart enough to figure that out right I just don't, honestly, people, the SIA folks, they give me money, so I don't want to give you test results for free unless they know that that test result's coming out. And there's some more tests coming behind uh, that one that I meant, that one that we're talking about now, Jeff. Um, and so those will get published this month. And then I will, after they're published, after the SIA folks have gotten it all, then I'll say publicly here on on, um, on SEO this week. But I don't, I don't want to do it before... Those guys all, and gals all get their money's worth. So um, <clears throat> Just understand why. I'm not trying to get you to join SIA. You don't want to join SIA. That's fine. Just wait a couple more weeks or figure out the riddle that I just told you, and you, you probably already know the answer right now. Um, so I think you'll be, uh, hopefully, you forgive me for the, <laughs> I don't want to tell you yet until the <laughs> statement, okay? Um, let's see other questions nope I don't see any other questions All right. I appreciate you guys 50 minutes that's a good show Um, no music in the aftermath today it's cloudy outside and we're about to get hit our 100 so I want to go get some outside work done before that comes in Last minute, there's Elton. <laughs> Does social traffic have a big effect on rankings? Some competitors aren't ranking me that link, bad on page, no schema, but they have a huge following on Facebook. Could that be why they don't rank me? The following in and of itself makes zero difference whatsoever. The traffic may, um, because the traffic will build authority, uh, but it's not clicking through. Right, so it's essentially think about it this way: it's a backlink that gets a whole lot of traffic, uh, and and maybe those backlinks are, are passing some juice, especially if it's coming from a page or a profile because those are crawled by Google, right? How much Google is is counting pages and profile links uh, for for value? I'm not entirely sure. I don't think we'll, we'll ever be unless we someone knows the actual pay drink formula. Uh, and knows how Google's implementing it. No one does. But the the traffic definitely counts for something. Um outranking me without links, bad on page in no schema. The no schema I've seen before. That's not that's not abnormal, right? There's not a lot of websites that are implementing schema. If anything that are implementing it properly. Anyway, so that's not it's it, it, having not having it is not a discernible factor of why they would rank you. If they had it, then um, that would be a thing. Bad on page from I, that's a kind of a perspective too thing, right So bad on pages do you the know, h ones title tag in the content, uh, that kind of stuff, but it's just not in a format. you know define it bad on page. Um, and it's, it's really hard to define that. So and how do you define it? It's traffic and, and backlinks. So you're saying they're without backlinks, which means you don't see any in the tools, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're not there um, because you have uh, PBNs, private PBNs, blocking box and all that other stuff. So yeah, bad on page, I mean, they have no H1 at all. Yeah, it's, you know, that's... Just that one thing doesn't necessarily outweigh. Like, I, you really have to, to look at that a little bit closer and to, to, to make that, to, for me to give you anything intelligent, right? Um, beyond, oh, it's the Facebook traffic. The traffic certainly helps. The traffic builds trust. Traffic helps build authority and stuff. As long as Google is seeing that traffic go through on Facebook to... Your website, is it that much that it's going to result in a number one ranking? I don't think so. All, most of my traffic comes from YouTube um, and uh, some Facebook and a couple of referral websites. I, I have some rankings in Digital Ear, but there's no no traffic. City SEO, the search volumes are all high, right? I've ranked for over 500 city SEO terms, and the traffic is like, it's garbage. Um, so, but I'm still ranking without traffic. Would I get more traffic if Facebook and stuff was sending me some more traffic? Would I get more rankings? Maybe probably more for the broad terms on my homepage. Um, not necessarily for like SEO this week. You guys all click on the SEO this week in the YouTube description. It goes to my website and then you click around and stuff. Um, that doesn't help with rankings more often than not. The SEO this week page episode page doesn't rank for the episode. Um, I don't know why uh, it doesn't matter if I do a whole bunch of content on it or if I do a video and some backlinks, either way it still doesn't rank. Um, And that's not, and that's all traffic. I'm not building backlinks to those. When I do build backlinks to them, they do rank. Um, but when I don't build backlinks, they don't. And um, both in both cases, they all get traffic. So I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and in this case, i have to say, I don't know. Let's see. Christopher, have you opinion on services like Conversion AI? Uh, Conversion AI, um, what's yours? Copy AI. What is this new one I saw? Neurotext. Um, what's another one? uh there's another one that starts with an S. I forget the name of it uh those are all decent like if you are have a have a writing staff and they're not all on the topic like they don't understand it entirely then why not use some ai stuff to give them a head start i don't think that it's um, they're they're not anywhere near good enough to write good solid articles for people you can read them and then you'd be like what the hell is this idiot talking about right um but they're great head starts. They're great idea generators, et cetera. And I think I think that's what those are supposed to be at this time. Uh, headlines and stuff, I've, I've seen that they're actually kind of decent at those. Um, there's a couple of them for writing ads, um, kind of decent. Um, so I don't discount them, but they're not all that in a bag of chips. So just use them for what they are tools to get you to make your life a little bit easier to get to the end of the of the line where you need to be. Jeff, did you see the SEO signals lab te- content versus link? I flawed Floyd Mitchell links is planning to use subdomains for extra backlinks. Do you think that'll work? The subdomains for extra backlinks will work if the subdomains themselves have backlinks. If the subdomains have no backlinks, zero plus zero equals zero. That's why the, um, you know, the guys over at Mentorprise I talk about my enterprise a lot. I like using it. Still use it to this day. They came out with a a system that builds subdomains and builds backlinks and tiered backlinking with uh, subdomains. But Zero plus zero equals zero. Nobody has shown me um, any keyword of any significant value where subdomains that did have no backlinks. Brand new subdomains ranked a web page. No one has shown it to me. Um, so, yeah, the, that idea, subdomains for extra backlinks, will work if the subdomains themselves have backlinks. If there's no backlinks to it, they have no power to pass. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. An SEO autopilot never used the type of link building automation kind of worries me. Should I have been? I would say if you are considering using link building automation or you just want to try it out and see what all the fuss is about, um, whether it's good or bad, get yourself a test site and just go play with it, play with them and, le- and learn them. You're going to learn a couple things. One, you're going to learn about link types, see if they still work or not. And then two, you're going to learn about tiered linking and how to put that stuff together. Uh, um, in a more cohesive way to, to be effective for you. Uh, and using tools, GSA, XRumor, uh, SEO Autopilot are all great ways to learn those fundamentals. Um, just don't point them at your money site until you know what you're doing. Uh, have you done a single variable domain test on a subdomain domain power? Uh, I have that. Because here's what what, what that'll look like, right? So it'll be 10 pages, ranking For a similar keyword, none of those pages will have a backlink. And then the one with subdomain, uh, one will get a backlink from a subdomain. And zero plus zero equals zero, but there's still that differentiating factor is this one page has a backlink from subdomain. So... If you look at it in that way, that subdomain has power and it's going to increase rankings, right? But let's put that one subdomain backlink against um, a subdomain backlink that has ranking power, that has backlinks to its own, uh, and that knowing that, knowing what I know about link juice. That, that one's going to win over the subdomain. So my own has subdomain with backlinks, subdomain without backlinks, and then all my control pages because my control pages have no backlinks at all. Um, so it's in that way, the single variable test is probably actually a bad, bad way to do it. It probably have to be a multi-variable, and to see how much power it would be. I would actually probably, you probably get away with actually doing control pages where a title tag, meta description, and a URL set with the test keyword. And then your subdomain page, the test page, does that does not have a title tag, does not have meta description, does not have the keyword in the URL, and but it does have this one backlink. And you can see if that subdomain is more powerful than the title tag, the meta description, the URL content combination. Um, so a multivari- multivariable test. That's, that's kind of what you would have to do to test those out. Uh, sweet. You guys took me to an hour. You're all awesome. Uh, with that, thank you very much for coming. I am going to uh, leave you guys with the cool song. I thought it was kind of cool. Um, so thanks for coming, and I'll see you next week. Nine. Damage in my teeth, I got a lot of shine. Running up the number, that's a lot of crime. If you try to take it from me, must be out your mind. Dollar sign. Smoky in the air, that's a lot of time. Pack is running over with the dollar sign. If you try to take it from me. Yeah. Burn. Try take it from me. Must be out your mind.